Are we recording? <laughs> you can hit record now. So what I'm hoping for tonight um, is something I touched on last week, but I'm actually going to finish and flesh it out, is for us to finish declaring a pleasure to serve the King. And I know Andrew spoke on it last night. He stole my thunder. He stole my notes. No, not really. But it's something I've been feeling on our hearts for us. So I'm, tonight, I, I, I'm sure I'm not going to undo anything Andrew did. I'm actually hoping to bring it home to us because there's a point to you tonight, actually. So if I can have your ears. So when I think of my own servant heart, there's two scriptures that come to my, my heart. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. And 2 Corinthians 4, 5, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. And there's a, a, a reason for these specific verses. You see, in my BC days, um, if you do the personality tests, the various ones, I'm choleric, choleric. I'm up there. I was. God's doing something different. Amen? Um, on the other test, I'm a rosebush. Um, and I had more than enough ego to go around the room. I had a horrible tendency to engage in feats of self-promotion, but I had the uncanny ability to always make sure that I was the best person for every job. And overachieving know-it-all. You see, when your primary source of self-esteem is achievement and its recognition, you can easily be driven into becoming a workaholic showboat. Constantly craving attention, an overachiever that often exuded excessive confidence and continuously only made room for my own opinion. Often believing I was irreplaceable. I'm reminding you, this is BC days. But deep down, most probably the most insecure person in that room. And thankfully, I came to really know the Lord. And hopefully, I've reached a point of maturity in my spiritual walk where I've learned very fast that this walk is not about me. And I can find my sense of self-worth in Christ rather than in my CV. I no longer felt the need to impress others, but instead found greatness in the servant heart attitude that would eventually, and always hoping, lead to others receiving recognition and praise for their own work, not mine. I'd begun to find and enjoy ways to highlight the work of those placed within my care and seeing them get due recognition for the hard work that they are doing. 
I remember a story, a good friend of mine, Rulof, um, he's now in Paul, an elder that was with us in Edgemead, uh, held in high regard with God's preaching, was helping me with various preaching styles. And he, as part of his, his a repertoire or his way, would never mention his own name. And he followed a couple of greats who would always say in an anecdotal story, I know a man who. He would never mention himself by name. You see, the problem with anecdotal teaching, and my early years, my default, um, I needed Rulof to be a voice in my life. And I needed to hear the dangers of falling into a, a rhinocentric preaching style instead of a Christ-centered preaching style. And I heard those words again and again. Will used to say, I must decrease and Christ must increase. I was recently speaking to someone here about the power I've personally found in serving. And it's one of the most powerful unifying strategies God has ever given me. And speaking from experience, I had no idea what was going to happen, where I was going. And you've heard me say before, I believe I've lost the right to say no to the things of God. Yes, there's still the freedom to choose. Never want to take that. God doesn't want to take that away from you. But instead, choosing Him and His way every time. However it came. His voice, a dream, a vision, his leaders, yes, the leaders of the church are his too, or just simple opportunities to serve. Each one an amazing opportunity to pour back that overflow that I was experiencing myself. Never saying no. I was a machine in him, in the best sense of the word. I served in setup. Ivy, sound, coffee and tea, kids' church, building maintenance, security, responding to alarm call-outs in the early hours of the morning, corporate prayer time, coffee and tea, again, alpha courses, marriage courses, parenting courses, conquer courses, leadership courses, etc., etc. And I, I did it all at the same time while working 12 to 15 hours a day in the corporate field. And if it sounds a bit like I'm self-promoting, I'm definitely not. I hope I'm not. If you ask my wife, I was so anti-church folk in the beginning. When we were looking in, and all the serving was part of God's strategy, not mine. He knows me just like he knows each of you. And what I found at the front of leading was a group of fellow berserkers for Christ. At the tip of the spear, there was far less distraction. So much momentum, inertia, no time for idle Christianity, far less time for myself and my frequent want of entertaining my own personal desires, and so my life faded. 
and his will for me and the effect and part he wanted to me to play was personified. Was it hard? Absolutely. Did I get on with everyone initially? Can I say hell no? But God put diligence and perseverance in me the day I received the Holy Spirit and tapped into his truth. And day by day, opportunity by opportunity, it became easier, less of a burden and more of a real joy. Again, so much less of me and so much more of him. Matthew 10.39, if I got this one right, whoever finds their life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You see, the Jesus I've come to know does not attract followers the way many of the churches do today. We are more likely to hear, try Jesus or come to this great church with these great people, this great band and good coffee. Few, if any, church advertisements say, sign up and die here. But Jesus did just that. When I received that message from God that following Jesus, if done wholeheartedly, will change my life for the better. Totally blind, but given that initial faith. How did I know that death is the way to true life? Great question. I knew it by faith and faith alone. There was nothing else in my beginning. Nothing. It was raw and beautifully simple back then. I was called. I saw, and there was a compulsion to go with him. There was a faith that I couldn't yet see that would only later come into the light. But true faith does not hold back anything from God. True faith knows that if Jesus is worth anything, he is worth everything. There's no point in giving Jesus 50, 60, 70, even 99% of your life. He will have it all or he will have none. Language can be tricky. One may use the words find their life in that previous verse, if you want to put it up. You might try and make that mean. Find Jesus and his salvation. But don't be fooled. That is not Jesus' meaning there. Rather, those who chase earthly pleasures and the things of the world, status, comfort, worldly security, particularly with a loose moral code and no fear of God, will find themselves morally and spiritually bankrupt and dead in their sins. We cannot mostly die, just as we cannot mostly be saved. Christ and his kingdom are the treasure in the field for which it is worth 
to trade one's whole life. Matthew 13, 44 to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. For a few, losing your life might be a martyr's death. And any Christian here knows you should be willing to drink from that cup. It's difficult as it may be. But in our case here, the majority of us, it actually implies more of a radical change in our life. This translates for us an even more complicated daily death and daily picking up our cross and what is required. In the end, no one ever really can sacrifice anything to God because he always gives back infinitely better than he takes. Be humble and allow ourselves to be continually humbled. For those of us gifted to serve in a ministry, and we all are gifted to serve in a ministry, it is vital that we continuously nurture humility in ourselves, a word that came through in the 412 time. Otherwise, our giftedness is not an offering to God or a tool for growing the church. Instead, it becomes an idol to itself. The most gifted of servants, preachers, musicians, deacons, or leaders amongst us, etc., etc., are not are like an annoying gong if our servitude and our giftedness is not matched with humility. We need fewer prima donnas on stage and more folk who use their gifts as servants. It has been said that an easy way to tell if you have a servant heart is how you act if you are treated as a servant. Do you see serving and even serving in a specific area as being beneath your calling? Are you willing to go wherever you're needed? We've said before, anywhere, anytime, anyhow. Would you be prepared to do any job that needs to be done, even if there's never a thank you, and even if you are never ever noticed? Whenever I look for a person to fill a particular ministry role, whether a community leader or a kids' church worker, um, I'm looking to partner with that person in my ministry, the whole church. And I always ask myself the same thing. Get someone who loves Jesus and is teachable. You only two requirements. Both. Not one or the other, both. It was recently confirmed by, I think, Ryan Kingsley at 412. 
um, with regards to looking for a wife, those two characteristics that he would put at the top of his list. Love Jesus, be teachable. I'm sure the same goes for a husband. The leadership team here is also looking for people to partner with for a long time, like in a marriage, and also needs the same credentials and commitment. Similar to a marriage, it is after all the bride of Christ that we are building. Humility in ourselves is also important if we are to appreciate the giftedness of other people in the church. For you musical types, who of you have heard of Leonard Bernstein? Two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven. Okay, so there's a lesson here for everyone else. Leonard Bernstein, uh, born on August the 25th, 1918, died on October the 14th, 1990 was an American conductor, composer, pianist, music educator, author, and humanitarian. Considered to be one of the most important conductors of his time, he was the first American conductor to receive international acclaim. According to music critics, he was one of the most prodigiously talented and successful musicians in American history. Bernstein was the recipient of many honors, including seven Emmy Awards, two Tony Awards, 16 Grammy Awards, including the Lifetime Achievement Award and the Kennedy Center Honor. Whatever that is, it sounds slick. As a composer, he wrote many genres, including symphonic and orchestral music, ballet, film, and theater music, choral works, opera, chamber music, and works for the piano. His best-known work is the Broadway musical West Side Story. Who knows West Side Story? That's better. Okay, so now you know who Leonard Bernstein is. That West Side Story continues today to be one of the most regularly performed acts and has been adapted into two feature films. One in 1961, which most probably isn't worth watching, and a 2021 version. His works include three symphonies, etc., etc. A very bright man. You agree? Quite a CV. So this once famous conductor and composer, obviously dead, he was once asked, what is the hardest position to play in an orchestra? And his answer was, second fiddle. the guy just behind the main gift. The Google definition of second fiddle is one that plays a supporting or sub, subservient role. You see, harmony in the body of Christ requires that we learn to play second fiddle. The lessons of humility are not easy ones, but they are essential to bringing harmony to lives and relationships. In other words, necessary to protect the unity of the faith. For people who like to lead, who like to be up front, who like to take the reins, but instead consciously choosing to take backstage position to enable others to exercise their gifts 
this can be difficult. The trouble for us is that we often prize comfort more than unity. The same is said of our serving. Too often we would rather not have the difficult conversations because they make us uncomfortable. My point is not about the lead guys or about the big gifts. It's rather that our comfort is deadly, literally. Jesus died to purchase us all. We were consumed with ourselves and our desires to make us a people who are consumed with God. Demote yourself. John had it right. John three twenty nine to 31. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. The joy is mine, and now it is complete. He must become greater. I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all, and the one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. No, 32. We can't serve Christ and self. We'll hate the one and love the other. Sometimes demoting ourselves comes by biting our tongue and serving. Sometimes it comes by humbling ourselves to ask for forgiveness. Sometimes it comes by being uncomfortable and confronting sin. You see, when we raise the gospel up in our lives, we demote ourselves. When we follow Jesus, we are Christ-consumed and outward-focused. When we choose not to follow him, we are then self-deceived and self-focused. The gospel aims to rip this mirror out of our death grip and for us all instead to put on our overalls and the apron of service. We were recently at 412, we were reminded the time was here for Apollos and Aquilas. Do you remember the talk? Old teaching, new. And I was always reminded that there were many things this generation had abandoned as in not inherited from the previous generation. And one of those things for me is selflessness. Unfortunately, the spirit of the age has blurred or faded that and very much put the emphasis on me, myself, and I. And I had in my mind, I shared it with the worship team, something of a picture of a time lost, a time of kings and queens, castles and fiefdoms. And it was a time when a knight would bow before the king and offer his sword and say, I serve at the king's pleasure. To serve at the king's pleasure is a legal term referring to the indeterminate or undetermined length of service of certain appointed officials or the indeterminate sentences of some prisoners. It is based on the proposition that all legitimate authority for government comes from the crown. 
Oswald Chambers, I was reading recently, wrote, Jesus Christ is always unyielding to my claim, to my right, to myself. The one essential element in all our Lord's teaching about discipleship is abandon. No trace of self-interest. Disciples indeed. So a pleasure to serve. We live to serve at the King's pleasure, not our own. Rob? We're going to have a, not a break. I had a, a picture of almost the opportunity of us to leave that place with the baggage we come in with or to take it out with. And I almost feel like there's something of that, that is life. Every time we come into a time of fellowship with believers and God's doing something, there's an opportunity for us to leave baggage here or take it out. And um, just to pick up something that Andrew said yesterday, obviously the one was, are we playing our part in the body? When uh, he, he related it to, like, when everyone's playing their part, for those who weren't there, everyone's playing their part, they see Jesus. When, not, when everyone's not playing their part, they're probably going to see a bit of Frankenstein. And then he spoke a lot about those who give and those who just want to receive in church. And are we going to be those who give? Like Ryan's been sharing about serving, giving ourselves. Are we going to be those who are receiving? And he showed two pictures. One of Jesus, who's this lean, probably looked a little bit like Harry with hair. Um, Sorry, Harry, you just, it was. <laughs> but it was that Mediterranean look. It's not about the hair, people. Let's focus on the good things in life. But, or there he showed a picture of the guy who was the fattest man in the world. Literally a beast. He weighed like 400 kilograms. And are we going to be, what are we reflecting as a church? Are we going to be those that, like Ryan is saying, who are serving, who are giving? And we've all got different measures of faith. And you might hear Ryan's story and think like, hell no, I can't do that. But Ryan, Ryan's story is Ryan's story, and God's called him to do something, but he's called you to, to do something that you know that you have to do. And so you've got to take that, what he's sharing tonight of, serving and that and apply it to your life what is your capacity where are you called to serve because we're all different we're all like andrew said yesterday ryan's maybe a big arm you may be a little pinky or a toe so we all got different so we can't compare but are we going to be those that give ourselves are we going to be fit or like andrew said fat and I just did that race, uh, Transbavian. So before the time, I was diligent. I was in the race. I was doing the race. So every time I had to get up in the morning, there was no questions, no doubt. After the race, there's no more races. And straight away, you default to comfort, like Ryan's been sharing about. So being in the race is playing your part, doing what God has called you. And when you're not in the race, comfort is your friend. Because for me, it was easy now. I'm going to have two portions of food. Ugh, you know what? I'll miss the Thursday ride because it's a little bit chilly. So I'm not going to go to prayer meeting because it's a little bit cold. Or actually, you know what? I want to serve the kids because, hell, they are pain. And I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. And there's an opportunity for us to, 
rather be fit or fat. And I'd love if you want to be a fit Christian, and you're going to have to do this every day for the rest of your life, choose, like, am I going to be in the race? Am I going to train? Am I going to serve and do what I need to do? Or are you going to come here and go, Ryan, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Rob, or Johan, the comm leaders, Nigel, <laughs> Nigel. <laughs> there were now four, four musketeers instead of three. But yeah, maybe if you want to do that, if you want to say, God, I want to be that fit guy. I want to be the guy that's serving and doing what you've called. What has God called you to serve in this body? That is going to make people that come in, we started the prayer thing about our love for one another. But when people come in, do they see us loving, loving the kids, loving worship? When you're on stage, you've got to smile, you're loving worshiping the king, that I'm worshiping Jesus in front of this for the fifth. Yeah, in a row. Are we doing it out of joy and love? And I know you guys do that a lot of time. But it's another opportunity to recalibrate. So if you want to recalibrate and be fit and not fat, then let's stand. Now I'd love to pray for us. Another word came through, I don't know who shared it, but Stefan came and shared it. The other side is, he saw a picture of guys, of a dishwasher, and it was almost like there's those that have been serving, and when you serve, you can get dirty and mucky, and you can get tired. So there's almost like two groups. Some of us may need to step up, and some of those may need to be refreshed. And I'd love to just pray for all of us. So Father God, just you know who's where, and who's doing what, and who's doing not. And Lord, I want to pray, Lord, that you'd come, and for those who feel like they're not adequate or they are being too comfortable, Lord, I pray that you'd bring a conviction and an empowering to step into that which you have. Because what Ryan has shared is the truth. We find life in death. And so, yeah, Lord, and for those that are, have been serving and are maybe weary because their hands are dirty and they're been washing dishes over and over. Lord, I pray for just a fresh anointing, a refreshing to come, Lord, by your Spirit, Lord, that you touch people in this, this place tonight, Lord, by your Spirit, Lord, that you'd give her a new joy uh, to do the things that you've called us to, Lord. We can all grow weary, Lord, and we can all come to a place we want to shrink back, Lord, but you call us to be a people that when we put our hands to the plow, Lord, we keep going forward and going forward, Lord. So I pray that in this congregation, Lord, when you look down, Lord, you'd see people who are hungry and devoted and who want to serve you with all our hearts, all our minds, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen, amen. Back to Ryan. You can sit. <laughs> I did miss Havilland there. Um, in my earlier announcements, he was another guy stepping out um, with blood pressure problems, landing up in hospital. But on Saturday, going by God's will, I'll be there on Saturday. So it was great to have you with us, Havilan. We're looking forward to the season we've got with you and trying to sh see what tool in the shed you guys are with us. Amen? And your kids. So, 
why are we leaning so hard in this area, Ryan? I hear Jan saying, if, if Andrew went over it, why are we laboring here again? I'm not so sure if you picked up in yesterday in Andrew's address, him saying Durbanville's going to the new building. Um, the news is, yes, we are also Durbanville, and we are going to the new building. As a PM congregation. <laughs> so, praise the Lord. So, as it stands, it looks like we'll be getting the building the last week of November. Um, we'll use that week to orientate and train in the various areas of serving. And hopefully our first service will be a fourth of on the 4th of December. It's what they call a soft launch. So there's no big fanfare. We just sort of move in under the cover of darkness. Sorry, and into the light. <laughs> the official big launch only been on the 5th of February. Um as a combined AM and PM event, um, so please save the date. Um, the reason for the late big launch is there's a lot happening, there's us on leave, uh, there's a big elders camp end of January, um, so just bear with us in that. There's also a lot to do in the new building. Um, I spoke previously at great length about my experience in buildings. And, and how God was prepared, prepared my heart for here, but actually how he wanted me to prepare your hearts for open hands. And we did that whole, we're not going, we're going, maybe we're going, maybe not, just shut up and open your hands. So we did that. Um, you know, it's all teaching about God's design. Like we... Read today together, in losing one's life, you will find it. In letting go, only then are you actually ready to pick it up. Um, you go with the right heart and the right attitude. And our response and how we go is going to be super critical. Um, I do believe that alongside the leadership here, we are ready to take that heel. And when I, my language is not pinehurst, unfortunately, yet. My language is we are going to take that hill. Um, the other part of the preparedness and how we're going, um, we as a team do believe we've been given this opportunity to represent. It's important we see the new building as an outreach opportunity, albeit a long-term outreach, but one nevertheless that is only there to welcome the lost and the broken into the kingdom. It's its only purpose. Don't be fooled by the, the glamorous fittings and the shiny taps in the bathroom and the good AV and all those things. Don't, don't let that distract you. We're going to take that hill. We're not going for more comfort. And the second we find comfort, I'm going to be shaking that tree. We'll all be shaking that tree. We'll make you stand for all service. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But we cannot take that hill if we don't have a, a servant or volunteer congregation. One that is willing to lay it down. All of us working together to reflect his son. And as folk come in and hear the good news and adjust, when their eyes are open, what do they witness? They witness a royal priesthood of believers. Devoting themselves to one another, giving up everything for the kingdom. A priesthood postured correctly to equip, restore, and advance. That's our vision for the new season. It's going to take all of us to put our names on lists. Oh, we hate lists. Admin. So in the following weeks, we'll put out a, a serving plan questionnaire in the form of a Google form. Don't ignore it. It's an opportunity. You ever vote and your parents, when you're 18, go, no, you've got to vote. You have to put your mark down. You have to go make your mark. It's, your, it's not just your right, it's your duty to put your mark down. I want to say, as we represent God, it is your right to choose, but it's your duty to put your mark down. We need you guys. We need, we're going to have people coming in from other churches, other backgrounds. So it's a new lighthouse in an area where there is nothing. It's going to bring new people to come and look what's going on. We run the risk of watering down what we have here. But if we stick to the truth, if we, we stick and hold fast to why we're we doing what we're doing, no, we died. <laughs> we died and we, we're trying to find our life again in serving the kingdom. I think we're going to receive something magnificent in his name, to his glory on the hill. So come with me. I want to finish with 1 Chronicles 4.10. It reads, it's a prayer Jabez. And those who don't know, Jabez, Hebrew name is, bring, brings pain. And his prayer was answered. Um, and I felt it fitting for us that God would hear our prayer, enlarge our territory. And I know it's not specific to the verse, but I do feel there's something of the pain of childbirth that comes. And I know there's a lot of moms here. If you're a mom, put up your hand. If you've given birth to a child, bless you. The pain of childbirth. Who's got two kids? Couldn't have been that painful. <laughs> I, I'll repent later. Oh, bless you, bless you, bless you. And I, I, I do believe that there's something of a, a, a bit of a pain that's going to happen. 
but it's something we're going to endure and we're going to push through because we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come alongside us, to encourage us, to lift our arms when we don't want to lift them anymore, to say yes when we want to say no, to, to really go beyond our capacity. 1 Chronicles 4.10, it reads, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. There's an acknowledgement that something's going to be painful. But in calling on him, if it is his will, will come and help us through that as a congregation. Will you stand with me and we can pray? If there's any prophetic words around the new building popping up, please come forward and share them with Rob. But Father, we, we submit to you, Father. We, we acknowledge this wonderful gift and your provision for, for new leaders. We prayed new members into the congregation, Father, and we've given this beautiful building. And we just want to submit to your goodness, Father. Um, acknowledge your hand and all these things. It's you that are building the kingdom, Father. Um, and nothing we put our hands to without your blessing, without it being your will, will amount to anything fruitful. And Father, we pray like Jabez. Come and enlarge our territory, Father. Come and let the light on the hill be a light for those all around. For us, King, let there be... Uh, a time with you that that breaks our pride, breaks our our, um, our unwillingness to submit, King. And pray, Father, that we can pick up servitude as something precious and not ugly, something beautiful, Father. And then we can adorn your church. We can adorn your, your buildings and your people, Father, because of the beautiful thing that we hold. But come and help us, King. Come and help us all as we venture into this <laughs> with you at our side all along. In your mighty name. In your mighty name. In your mighty name. Amen. I think we're going to get the worship team up.